1: Trey, thank you for joining us for another Thursday edition, which is uh, really Mary Langston's podcast, but she is kind enough to let me take a crack at answering some of your questions, which I hope she doesn't like find someone else. I'm sure she's thought about it, but I hope she doesn't find someone else because it's one of the more enjoyable things I do each week. It uh, makes you think. And uh, makes you try to be fair in how you answer questions. And it's the one time a week that Mary Langston actually has to answer the phone when I call.
2: Hey, Trey. Thank you for having me. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I'm sure you're going to say it was great regardless. Even if the cops were called, you'll say it's great. (laughs) But I hope it was good.
2: It was. It was definitely a Thanksgiving to remember. Um,
1: oh, yeah. That's right.
2: My dad has been in the hospital, so it, we were super grateful that he got to come home on Thanksgiving. So we got to all be together. So it was definitely a year that we were thanking the good Lord for all the little blessings.
1: I did know that. He came home on Thanksgiving. He um, did. Well, i tell you what. His family... Loves him a lot more than mine loves me, because I can promise you, Terry would say, well, look, we got a lot of stuff going on. Why don't you just stay where you are and we'll come get you Friday?
2: We all know she's the sweetest person on the planet. She would be there 24-7.
1: She is the sweetest person on the planet. Uh, You're up there yourself. But, I mean, if I I can't eat, I mean, I can watch the Dallas game from my hospital room. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're not going to get me by a certain time, you might as well just leave me. But your father but, loves being around his daughter. He has other children too, doesn't he? I can't remember.
2: He you- does, and we we all ended up watching the parade. I know you say that you don't enjoy the parade, but we all ended up watching the parade together, which was a tradition. So that was a lot uh, of fun.
1: Yeah, well, tradition <laughs> would be the only. My wife had the parade on. I, I had. To, I, I just. I, I. can't do it. I, I. I can't do it. She loves. Well, maybe she can stuff.
2: come watch it with us next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, she would like that. She would like that. I mean, the parade to me it's just kind of killing time until the first game starts. But you did know, did you have
2: a good Thanksgiving?
1: Ah, uh, the cops weren't called. I mean, that's kind of my <laughs> barometer for success. I mean, you've got you've got three sisters. You know that. And mm-hmm. anytime time. You know, like we don't have law enforcement at the door saying, you know, there's been a report of a disturbance or, you know, you're making too much noise. No, it was great. (laughs) Same as always. My mom Mm -hmm. does you know, everything, although people pitched in and then I get to go clean the dishes because I don't like want to talk about politics. (laughs) Right. We talked
2: about that last time.
1: And then I tell my wife, well, it's two o'clock, so I guess I better... Head on and start getting ready for the game. And she says, you're not going anywhere. And (laughs) then we do that little song and dance until about four o'clock. And finally, she gives me permission to go back home. And we have a puppy now, as you know, because you've met Mm -hmm. him several times. So
2: He's precious.
1: Uh, He is a handsome little devil. But I had to go let him out. I say I had to go. I volunteered to go, so I let him <laughs> out. And even though we live five minutes away, strangely, it took me an hour to do it. So it was weird. But you know me. I uh, obey all traffic signals, and I stop at all stop signs. So it, it mm. just took a while. Oh, oh I'm well. sure. We lived. I'm glad your father's home. And Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm Sure, there's no way in the world your father's gonna miss celebrating any holiday with his precious daughter. And you do, you're not an only child. That's what you're telling me.
2: That's right. I have two younger <laughs> brothers, right. you and have they brothers. have lady friends or wives.
1: Uh, one or the other, I hope.
2: <laughs> right. One is okay. married and one is soon to be married okay. to make the air clear on that.
1: <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I think everyone in the world knew what you meant, except, hopefully, except me. So. <laughs>
2: Well, our last question today is actually sports-related, Trey, so I guess we'll save the sports for the very end, Okay, if that's okay with you. They're not Um, all (laughs)
1: sports-related?
2: If only. Maybe one week we'll get that.
1: Okay. But we'll
2: save it for the very end today. We'll end on a good note, hopefully. But with that, um, I hope everyone had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving with those they love and that... Everyone had a chance to reflect on what you're grateful for. I know I did, like I said. And um, we appreciate you all for sending us your questions each week. And with that, we'll start with our first question. And it's from Richard in Washington State. And he writes, are there questions about 9-11-2012 in Benghazi, which remained unanswered to your satisfaction? And part two, are some of those questions which must remain unanswered because of national security or classification.
1: Well, it's uh, you know what I mean. I go months and months and months without somebody asking me a question about Benghazi, and I've I've actually had a couple in the last little while. Uh, there are a couple of things I will always wonder about. Um, and before I get to that, I think I'm sure our listeners know this, but 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 they may not. So it's worth saying again. I mean our committee was what the fifth or sixth committee to look into what happened in Benghazi, Libya and why it happened. And so if the previous committees, you know, I think I was talking to one of my Democrat friends who sort of suggested that our committee was more rooted in politics than in fact gathering because there had been other committees that went before us. And it is true. There were other committees that went, before us, but if they had really done everything they were supposed to do, then there would have been nothing left for us to find. Um, and yet, that was not the case. Um, so, and the media would have you believe that all that could be known about Benghazi was known uh, well before, uh, well before John Boehner, you know. And the House, quite frankly, voted on the select committee. It wasn't just John Boehner. The House voted on it, and a half dozen Democrats voted to look into what happened in Benghazi, Libya. And I would just, encourage Richard and Washington State and anyone else to read the report. Read it for yourself. Do not rely on my summary. God knows, do not rely on the summary of the New York Times or Washington Post. Read it for yourself. There are hundreds of pages, and it's not written... Like in this boring clinical way, it is written in a narrative form. It is a story of heroism. There are so many things to celebrate, even amidst the the murder, the killing of four Americans. Of hundreds of pages of information that either was not previously known or not fully known. And I'm not talking about Hillary Clinton's email. That was a consequence of the investigation. It was never the purpose. Obviously, it wasn't the purpose. We didn't know about it until we did what you would expect investigators to do, which is say, you know, we're investigating the security profile. We'd like to know what made it to her desk. Can you send us the emails in this daytime period? Then the response was, you know, there is none. So, that can't be possible. I mean, who never sent or received an email in a time period? That's, you know, I mean, the New York Times deserves and gets credit, I guess, for breaking the public story. I think if you talk to that New York Times reporter, uh, he would tell you the pressure came from the fact that there was a congressional committee saying, where is this information? So it's I mean, it's hardly Perry Mason kind of stuff to ask for communications or notice as it relates to security profile, and yet none of the other committees did that. So what will I? What what do I still wonder? I, I guess I will always wonder why not a single solitary wheel of any U.S. military vehicle was even moving toward Tripoli or Benghazi for hours and hours and hours. Because remember, Chris Stevens, our ambassador, and Sean Smith were killed way before Glenn Doherty and Ty Woods. Yes, four people were killed in Benghazi, Libya, but hours and hours and hours apart. There was the initial attack on the f- facility. It was not an embassy, so I'm not going to call it an embassy, a facility, diplomatic facility. There was an attack. and. That is when the ambassador and Sean Smith were killed, were murdered, in my judgment. And then the the men and I'm not going to say men and women because it was all men. They were all it was men. They went from that facility to what we call the annex. And then it was hours and hours and hours later that there was an attack on that annex. So I mean, I've heard the explanations. Trust me, I have heard the explanations. I've heard all of them. It just doesn't make sense. To me that the world's largest, most powerful military would assume the hostilities were over. I mean, and that's the explanation we were given is yes, we were not moving towards Benghazi because we thought after that initial attack on the facility that resulted in the death of Ambassador Stevens and Sean Smith, we thought the hostilities were over. Why did you think that? I mean, who told you that? So I want to know that. I also, you know, want to know what the contract employees were doing. Glenn Doherty and Ty Woods were former Navy SEALs. There were other, you know, I, I'm not going to call their names, but th- their names are in the public domain. I'll, I'll, you know, or or their nicknames are in the public domain. There was a movie done about it. They wrote a book about it. What were they doing in Libya? I mean, they were not providing security for diplomatic personnel. Um, they had another purpose, and, and I'm not sure we ever got the full story of what that was. That would be a classification issue. Uh, probably that's what the CIA uh, would hide behind is a classification issue. But I, I despite two years, I, I have hunches and guesses as to what they were doing. But in terms of knowing for sure. So, Richard, let me finish by saying this and to everyone else that said. You know those are the two things that I wish i I wish I could look into the faces of the family members of those who were killed or injured and say we found out every single answer to every question you have. Those are the two questions that I still cannot answer I don't think to the satisfaction of the victim's family and friends that said this it is so heartbreaking that this became politicized, that it's a political story now, that it's her email, that it's the Mitt Romney, Barack Obama debate and the botched question by the moderator. This, at its core, was a story of heroism and ingenuity and sacrifice. If you go and read what the folks in Tripoli did to get to Benghazi to try to help their fellow Americans... That alone will leave you inspired. The obstacles they had to overcome to go help their fellow Americans, and two of them were killed in the process. So plenty we learned, despite a pretty significant headwind from the media and from my Democrat colleagues, plenty new was learned. It's all in the report. It's it's. I would encourage you to read it for yourself. But, yes, there are two things that leap to my mind that I wish I could tell the family and friends of those that were killed, but I I did not get an answer. And I'm not sure that we ever will get one.
2: Well, thank you, Trey, for answering that question. And thank you, Richard, for sending it to us. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back.
3: Hey folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well.
0: That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
2: Our next question is from another Richard, but in South Carolina, and he writes, it used to be that any Republican victory in South Carolina and many other Southern states was unusual. Of course, now it is the complete opposite. What do you think is the driving reason behind this?
1: Uh, Richard from the great state of South Carolina. It's several things. Uh, prominent politicians change parties. Um, you know, my daughter was in the courthouse in Aiken today, actually, and said there's a picture of then Judge Strom Thurmond. We don't think of him as a judge. Uh, we think of him as a United States Senator. Um, he switched parties. Uh, Ronald Reagan switched parties. So, you know, part of the switch is that prominent elected officials began switching. In South Carolina, there were a number of folks who switched from Democrat to Republican. Now, did their beliefs change? No. Uh, What changed? The national parties. The national parties kind of realigned a little bit. There were, or realigned is not the right word. They emphasized different things. And people who once felt at home in the Democrat Party uh, then began to feel more at home in the Republican Party. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, there there were national security reasons for the switch. There were taxation or size of government reasons for the switch. Uh, there were social issues that caused the switch. Um, and this is the part that I'm not going to sugarcoat. Uh, there were racial reasons for the switch. Uh, some people call it the Southern strategy. But it is true, Richard, the Deep South went from Democrat to Republican, in many cases without even changing the person holding office. Um, And now one cannot imagine really any future for the Republican Party without the Deep South. If you look at the red and blue map on presidential election night or even midterm night, uh, there really is not a Republican Party without the South.
2: Well, thank you so much, Trey. And thank you, Richard, for your question. Our next question is from Carrie in Texas. She writes, are there any holiday traditions that you look forward to the most?
1: Uh, Carrie in the great state of Texas. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of them, truth be told. Um, Terry puts the tree, trees, plural, and <laughs> decorations up the day after Thanksgiving. So it's a tradition that I go get them down And a tradition that I retire to my home office for the next several hours while she, I mean, you know this, Mary Langston. Mm -hmm. She's very artistic. She's very Mm -hmm. talented. I don't want to say she's opinionated because she's not, but she does have definite ideas on what ought to go where. And Mm -hmm. my main interest is getting it done as quickly as possible. I mean, I would put them all like in the same room if I could, but she puts a lot of thought (laughs) into it. It really looks like a winter wonderland. I know you'll be over here Sunday, you'll see it. But, um, at my parents' house, someone reads the Christmas story from Dr. Luke. That's a tradition, it usually uh, kind of flips around. Now, grandkids are reading it. Yeah, you know, some of the names in the Christmas story they, they botch, but uh, for the most part, nobody like says anything about it. Mm. I just kind of keep it under my breath. Some of the names are hard. Uh, My sisters and I exchange gifts. We draw names at Thanksgiving and there's a dollar limit, which they, they follow, they abide by it. I wish they would not, but I mean, I wish they've only got one brother. Why would they not like pull their money and say, Hey, let's get him something super, super nice. Let's don't abide by this very, very strict dollar limit. But uh, Terry and I, And the children exchange gifts on Christmas Eve. That's a tradition. We've always done that. I mean, I'm lucky both my parents are still alive and all three of my sisters are, you know, in good health and doing well. Terry's parents have passed away, but we still get together with her brother, Britt. So it was a tradition that we would go to her parents' house and Mm -hmm. totally different experience. I mean, just They all love Christmas so much. I mean, it's just hours and hours of four people who loved each other and just could not get enough of being around each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Brit, I mean, Terry's brother and she, I've never, I've never like even seen them frown at each other, much less like say something. It's just not in either one of their DNA. So, you know, her parents are have gone on uh to on the other side. So but we still get together with Britt and his family and that's wonderful. So we um we ha- we have several of them. We actually used to have a New Year's Eve tradition of going to church uh on New Year's Eve, because it was very important to Terry to start the new year in church. It was eleven o'clock service, eleven PM so literally you started the new year in church and then i finally convinced her that if god had intended me to be in church on christmas eve there would not be bowl games on christmas eve on new year's eve so and then the church decided to move it to a like a better hour like 7 p.m. so and then i'm not i'm not even sure we do that anymore I, we do not go to church on new year's eve anymore but that was pr- probably from my childhood that was my favorite memory going out there with candles and singing whatever song you sing when the new year starts. Um, I don't know what it is. You would know you're a singer, but I love that one. But you know, I mean, that's the thing sometimes traditions, um, because of circumstances, you know, they were great while you did them, but they change. But the ones I listed are still the ones we, we do the most opening presents on Christmas Eve within the family and then going to my mom's house. And, um, Uh, The one that I don't think will ever change is Terry's going to put the she's going to start decorating the house the day after Thanksgiving. And then just like clockwork, like the weekend of New Year's, they're they're down and and I and I got to take them back up the attic or wherever she wants to keep them for the next year. So that's it.
2: Well, those sound like great traditions, Trey.
1: They are. And you know, like I said, I'm lucky. I mean, I'm I'm no spring chicken myself and both my you know, both my parents are still. Mm -hmm. And anytime you've got you know, a matriarch, uh, that's going to be the gathering place. So, and it mm-hmm. still is. Yeah. Because in part because my mom's the best cook in the whole family, but I mean, I didn't <laughs> say that out loud did I, we're not recording this, are we?
2: No, not at all. Okay.
1: Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think my three sisters listen. Actually, I don't think my three sisters would disagree with that.
2: Hmm. I like the term gathering place. That's really sweet.
1: Uh, Well, that's where it is. I mean, it's my my mom is, you know, no one will ever, ever, ever love you like your mom. First Mm -hmm. to love you. I mean, not to get all scriptural on it, but, you know, when, I mean, purpose of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Christ. On the other end of the spectrum, the death of Christ,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you look at who was sitting around, standing around in the very, very, very end. It was his mom. First to love you last to abandon you and the one that loves you the most in between that's your mom
2: well said trey well thank you so much and thank you carrie for that question our last question is from brady in south carolina and he writes how about them gamecocks oh my so there's your sports question
1: oh my heavens i am so happy for shane beamer and the players and the coaches you know before i talk about i do want to say this i mean obviously south carolina's been on a Long losing streak to Clemson. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to say this about Dabo Sweeney, and I'm not saying it because South Carolina won. I've said this a thousand different times. He is a class act. He always has been. This rivalry has been so one-sided for so many years. I mean, I think it's good. I mean, if I were a Clemson fan, I wouldn't feel like it's good that it's competitive, but I'll bet, and they're well of souls. You know, they won, what, seven in a row? Probably would have won eight in a row, except it was canceled due to COVID. So it's good for competition, but I mean, it was a very, very close game. I could not watch the game, as you know, Mary Langston, because my nerves would not allow it. But when I rewatched the tape of the game after I knew the outcome, uh, so happy uh, for Coach Beamer beating Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back to fantastic football teams. Hopefully it helps him with recruiting so we continue to be competitive with Clemson.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I assure you Debo Sweeney is going to keep his program at a very, very, very high level for a very long time. So we gotta we gotta recruit well. Um I this will not surprise you, Mary Langston. I do like to reach out to people when things are not going well. I like to be one of the first to do that. I wait when things are going really well because there are a thousand other people that are going to contact you, you know, when you When you win, you got a 1,000 friends. When you lose, you got three or four. So I am much more likely to contact Shane Beamer after we have a bad loss than I am after we have a major win. Mm -hmm. However, our offensive coordinator also left to go to Nebraska. So I did text him and apply to be the co-offensive coordinator with Tim Scott. And he is, he said, actively considering it. I don't believe that for a second, but talk about a dream job. How great would it be to work with Tim Scott and be the co-offensive coordinators for the University of South Carolina? Here's what I know. Shane Beamer and Tim Scott and I would all be out of a job very quickly if that ever were to happen. But Beamer's such a nice guy. He says he's thinking about it.
2: Well, I guess we'll wait and see what happens.
1: No, I don't think you have to wait very long. It's <laughs> that's not going to happen. Very, very happy for South Carolina fans. It's uh, you know Clemson has dominated this rivalry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, lately, and and historically, so could not be happier for Coach Beamer and especially the seniors who had never you know never beaten Clemson before.
2: You're so right. Well, thank you so much, Trey, and thank you to our listeners.
1: Hey, let me guess you were pulling for both teams. You're the only person in the world that was pulling for both teams.
2: I was, and wow. I have a text chain of my family members, and most of them are Clemson fans, except well, you need for a new
1: family. You need to it... come on over here with us then you need first of all, you need to put yourself up for adoption,
2: <laughs> well, except for my youngest brother, Reeves, and he. Sent a smiley face to the group text. He didn't say anything. He just sent a smiley face, and it was just so funny because he was very happy. They were giving him such a hard time because he is a Gamecock fan. But so I was happy on both ends. But then you know you feel for the team that doesn't win.
1: Um, I you know I I I got a ton of friends that went to Clemson. I got, a, I mean, I have a son that went to Clemson. I I don't look. They have dominated. Like I said, South Carolina needed to win to make it competitive.
2: Mm-hmm. So that was a good way to say it.
1: They they tried to put me on some text strings towards the end of the game. My mom texted me and said, can you believe this? And I said, Mama, I, I am not watching the game. My nerves cannot <laughs> handle this. So, please. and then my sister started texting me. Mm. And I had to put my phone down. So, I walked outside with our dog and threw the little Frisbee with him because I, I just – my nerve. I don't mind standing in front of a couple thousand people. I don't mind being in a courtroom, but I cannot watch 20-year-olds on third and one. I cannot cannot watch it. So,
2: (laughs) Well, we know our lanes.
1: All righty. Well, thank you, everyone. Keep your questions coming, Mary Langston. Thank you for having me as your guest this week. And um, if you don't get somebody better, I guess I'll see you this same time next week. (laughs)
2: I'm glad you answered the questions. Thank y'all. Have a great week.
1: You take care. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network.